take such long breaks in between recording our episodes now that we're like, uh, how do we do this? <laughs> yeah, this season has been we get rusty between every episode. We're like, that's rough. What is podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, let me put my phone on silent. Megan, we're filming a podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the act break. Take a break from your creative endeavors and hang out with us. Have a little simulated human interaction. Because internet friends totally count. Welcome back to the Act Break Podcast, where we are on the pan-ultimate episode of season three. Woo-woo. Uh, I am... <laughs> I always mess up on mine in particular. Uh... <laughs> I am Carly Cook. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever I am. I'm Jamie Redact, a science fiction and speculative fiction author, and I am joined by my co-host, grim, dark fantasy and speculative fiction author, Casey Ash. And we are joined again today by author and internet friend, Kim Chance. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Always happy to have you. I know it seems... And it seems that way because it is, seems is a word I'm trying to use less in real life and in writing. The podcast season has been much shorter. We cut it down by 25% or more. Might be more. <laughs> yeah, I think more. <laughs> We're already <laughs> rapidly approaching the close of the season, but I will say that... Uh, I can't speak for you, Carly, but the... You probably can, actually. <laughs> the mental load this year has been much better, and that is because we had to cut down the podcast. So we're bummed out that there aren't more episodes for everybody to enjoy, but we're in a better place <laughs> mentally. We are. It's, it is a bummer that there it hasn't been more, especially because when there's less episodes, there's less guests to be able to bring on and that makes us really sad but yeah we we both needed a, a bit of a break we're hopeful in moving forward in future seasons to have more capacity but this year I think it was a really smart choice on our part to to pare down well even in the last few months uh the episodes that we have put out we had to like cram those into our schedules mm -hmm. so yeah uh, thanks for every to everybody who has been listening, and triple yes, thanks thank to you. every guest that was on, mm -hmm. and to you, Kim. And we'll get to we'll get to starting. How's it going? In general, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, how are you? I went now that I've said like way too many words. I would like <laughs> to see how you guys are today. <laughs> I mean, yeah, things are things are good. Twenty twenty three has been a interesting year thus far but it's finally turning into fall and I always feel like fall's a magical season so uh, looking forward to that yeah it's something about the creative juices are yes really definitely on by fall something about decay maybe yes yeah it really it really yeah like night the smell something. of decaying in the air really really gets the creative juice <laughs> I, I don't know about that. <laughs> Decaying leaves. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm I'm like a We're not talking about corpses yet. That's you know, it's October. I might be. I, don't I just like the pretty colors and the scarves and the cozy sweaters and the pumpkins and all of the pumpkin spice things. I'm here for it. And I don't know. I think it's just kind of like with fall, you really see like the transition of the season, like changes in the air. And it's just there's just something really magical about fall like it just feels like it's the time for change and like good change and yeah creative juices all the things I totally get mm -hmm. what you're saying because I, I feel the same way and it's fall and spring there's something about being able to look at the world around you and see that like there is a season mm -hmm. and everything is cyclical and changing and that's a good thing yeah yeah yeah, I think it's a good reminder that things aren't stagnant. I think a lot of the time, summer, end of summer, things start to feel stagnant. It's too hot. It's summer break has been too long, <laughs> especially for us parents. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, and just there's a lot of like sameness feeling where, you know, you enjoyed the summer. It was a good time. Like I'll speak for myself. Lots of really good things happened during the summer. But I can only, you know, 
be out in the heat so many days before I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree. I enjoy the change in um, scenery. I like the change in atmosphere. It is kind of my, it is one of my favorite times of year because like I get to wear jeans and flannel and boots and things like that. And makes me really happy and i'm i'm into the pumpkin but i'm also really into apple oh yeah apple Apple spice things and um yeah there's a local orchard like five minutes from our house and they sell these apple dumplings every year and like you wait in line for like forever for them because everybody wants one but they're so good that sounds delicious actually I think fall to like the school year starting, like it almost gives you a little bit of a feeling of like New Year's Eve kind of because it feels you yeah. know, like the year is starting. It's a new school year. And so it just kind of gives you that sense of, okay, it's like a new, a new beginning, like new, th- new things are coming. Yeah. I mean, at this age, honestly, the majority or at least half of our lives was spent going to school every single fall. Mm-hmm like going the back to school routine is hardwired into our brains Definitely. developmentally. And so, yeah, like we're wired to be like changes happen at this time of year for sure. Like, so, you know, new things and new goals and learning new stuff and our brains just kind of click into that mode, I think naturally um, for a lot of us, maybe not everybody, but I think a lot of us do. I was trying to hold on to summer a little bit because the thing I don't like about this season is I think about we're heading into the dark because mm. the solstice and stuff. I don't want summer to end because I'd like it to be light outside. I want it yeah. to be light outside for as late as possible. And then in the winter, I wait for this winter solstice and I think, okay, we're halfway through the dark. Well, if we wouldn't do daylight savings, it would help. Well, yeah. we voted, but it never happened. We voted, but nobody cares <laughs> about what we voted for. Well, and I would like to to add to that, Jamie. I'm a big fan of fall. Love fall. Winter can kick rocks. I hate winter. <laughs> um, and I unfortunately have recently moved up north. And so there is quite a bit of snow in my future. And I hate snow. So yeah, I completely uh, understand it. that. <laughs> I would rather have snow than rain. No. But. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Give me. No, Mm-mm. I grew up in the snow and like I have the, a nostalgia for it and I would rather deal with snow because it's cold at least where I lived. It would snow and then the sun would come out and at least you'd have sun. The gloom kills me. It depends yeah. on the weather, the weather like yeah. patterns in the consistency. Yeah. Like if it we, stays gloomy, I get that. If you're somewhere where it gets really cold and then snows and then immediately the sun comes out, it's still cold, but you have like vitamin d and blue skies and we are in the pacific northwest where it will just rain for weeks on end so everything is gray and it feels like it's four o'clock from nine in the morning till it's pitch black at four (laughs) (laughs) o'clock but i'm sorry that you hate snow and you have to live in it that's that's hard it's hard to live in an area where you struggle with something and then have to deal with a lot of it Regardless of what that is. Yeah, I'm just decided I'm going to take up hobbies. Like, because you know, I have so much copious free time. Yeah, so much free time. You're like, what should I do with all this? Yeah, I I recently, so, I mean, you all know, if you, you guys know, because you're my friends, but I play the ukulele and so I'm actually taking lessons. And then I also like recently got into book binding. And so I'm teaching myself how to book bind. That's cool. Yeah. That's neat. So that's going to be my winter project. That's I, awesome. I like the idea of taking on a new hobby in the winter. Yeah. Um, I guess we should maybe talk about what we're Writing. talking about. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I mean, a little. You know. Um, so the so, publishing industry is a hot mess. Episode over. So we were talking about drop. crafts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny is the this episode stemmed from me not wanting to do an episode I pitched at the beginning of the year because I'm like we should definitely talk about AI and then AI got real messy and I'm like I can't talk about that I cannot (laughs) talk about that it's stressing me out so I was like okay I need to come up with a new idea and I started thinking about all the different ways and changes that have happened in publishing over the last 10 years and all the opportunities people have now that they really didn't have 15, 20 years ago. I want to I wanna know 
your guys' thoughts on a bunch of different things as we move, as we go along, pretty much starting from traditional publishing and working our way into like some other things. And I don't know if I'm just not remembering something, but like, would you guys agree that like it pretty much was there is this path, this is the path you take it until let's say 20 years ago, because I want to say 10 years, but really 10 years mm-hmm. isn't that long ago. No, it's like um, 20. Yeah. When self-publishing really became a thing. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, if you wanted to be a novel writer, yeah, there was one path. It's one thing that you did, and that was all. So it's really not that long ago for there to have been other options, which is, I think, some of the struggles that we're seeing is that there's a very large crowd that's like, well, there's only one way, because there was only one way for a long time. And that's why I... And Kim, you can say or not say as much as you feel comfortable (laughs) saying, but I really appreciate you being here because you walked that first traditional path and the industry has changed and morphed and shifted so much that even though you are a traditionally published author, you have a lot of feelings about yes <laughs> feelings yes and ideas do I ever for all the, well like ideas for all the different paths like you know a lot of writers who have like their fingers in a lot of different mm-hmm. pies how do you feel about what you experienced when you went through like your traditional publishing because that was if anybody doesn't know she's got a great duology published published in 2018 2018, 2018. Yeah, um, good Lord. a YA fantasy novel. <laughs> Keeper and Seeker. And they're they're great. Thank you. I highly recommend. Yeah. So, I mean, I started when I decided that I was going to pursue publication, I didn't even really know that self-publishing was an option. Like it, you know, this, we're talking like 2010, 11, 12, 13, like in that, you know, early stages. And I feel like self-publishing at that point was still kind of getting its feet underneath it. Like I started kind of hearing about it, but at that time it was traditional publisher bust for me. Um, and I had a lot of reasons for that. And I just threw everything I had into learning about the traditional industry. And that was the path that I ultimately chose. Um, I started querying Lord. I may get some of these dates wrong. Cause it was a long time ago and I'm old, but, um, I think it was, it was like 2015. <laughs> well, I feel Stop. like the crypt keeper these days, <laughs> but anyway, that's a different podcast. Um, (laughs) I started, I think querying and it was probably like 2016, I think, um, into 2015, early 2016. And, um, yeah, I ended up getting a book deal in 2017. My debut keeper was published in 2018 and then the sequel seeker came out in 2019. So, um, I had a great experience with traditional publishing, but I can tell you that, how I feel now about traditionally publishing is not how I felt in 2016, 2017, 2018. My thoughts about the industry have shifted quite a bit. And I think the industry itself has shifted quite a bit. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. That's a good point to bring up is that the industry shifts and we can shift like it's not going mm-hmm. to be the same all the time and like yeah. your goals or like how you feel about a situation doesn't need to stay the same all the time. It can you change. can adjust. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell writers like you have to really examine what your goals are um, now that self-publishing is on the scene and doing so well and I mean, there are so many pros and cons for self-publishing. There are so many pros and cons for traditional publishing. I mean, there's other paths as well. And I think you really have to think about what your goals are. And that could change from book to book. That's where I'm at in my career um, because I have a couple of different projects kind of going. And I find myself asking, okay, for this book, what are the goals and what is the best path in accomplishing those things? Like there's just really no one size fits all. I think at least for me. 
Um, you know, if you had asked me in 2016, I would have told you, no, I am, you know, trad all the way and that's never going to change. Now I'm just like, well, how much time do you have? Let's, let's talk about this. <laughs> Hence why we're here. Exactly. I'm like, there are so many options now. And it, I feel like that's the great way to look at it where it's like, what do you want for this book? What are your goals? What are your skill sets? How much time do you want to put in? Yeah. To touch on a couple of those options, if you guys think of some, you can totally cut me off and throw them in as well because it's like traditional publishing, absolutely. Indie or self-publishing has grown tremendously through print on demand and all of, I won't list all the print on demand sites. All the avenues. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot, and then which is great. Even past just doing, you know, a novel, there's short stories, online magazines you can submit to. There are anthologies you can submit to. You have um, Substack is kind of the the fresh kid on the scene uh, where you could really do a newsletter. You could do fiction. You could do whatever you want with that. It could kind of become anything and they have a way to monetize that. So if you wanted to like write short stories and then if you aren't interested in like making money, you could also put out your work for free on mm -hmm. all sorts of sites like Wattpad, AO3. So it just depends on what you want. Um, when I say publishing, I guess I mostly mean like putting your stories into the world. Because really, I mean, even if you're not getting mm -hmm. paid, that's publishing. Not necessarily for monetary gain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's also, there's also like, um, I just looked it up. Um, Story Loom is a new one that has kind of popped up. And it's basically, I don't know a ton about it. So if I misquote some of this, like, please y'all go check out Story Loom on your own. But I believe it is a place where you can write almost like a serial where you, um, you know, create like episodes almost. Um, and I know a couple of like, traditionally published authors who have done really well from themselves are on there and are really enjoying it. Um, Maxine Kaplan, who wrote The Accidental Bad Girl, she's on there. Jessica Corey, who has a ton of YA novels, she's on there. And it's really, really cool. I believe, um, I think like Amazon also has something similar. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. It's Kindle Vela. That, Vela, that's um, it. Yeah. It's the, yeah, Vela stories. It's all uh, serial fiction. And there's a lot of authors out there that do that. I've actually um, edited and proofread for several who do Kindle Vela stories. And um, it's a very viable way to do things. Also, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. There's a lot of fictionalized podcasts. Sorry, Kim. <laughs> no, it's good. I just get excited about this kind of thing because it's like, oh, writing. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've looked into Story Loom and I think it seems like so much fun. So I, I think there's like a part of me that's like, oh, I want to do this. But I mean, yeah, like what Jamie was saying with podcasts, like what is really fantastic about all of this is that I'm sure that a good chunk of this existed, like, you know, even five, six years ago, but it just wasn't talked about as viable options for authors. And now like, for someone like me, like I had a great traditional experience, but like, I'm not, I, you know, I'm a mid-list author. I'm not, you know, like one of the, you know, super successful authors. And for me, like my goals are, I want to feel like an author. I want to feel like I have options in terms of putting my work in front of readers and having all of these options just gives me a lot of hope for the future of my, you know, my work. Cause I think that's, that's the hard good. part about traditional is that there are, so many gates that you have to break through to get your work in readers' hands. And it is increasingly harder to do that. Yeah. It almost feels like the stars have to align oh, 100%. in order to get through. <laughs> and that's such an unfortunate thing that it's gotten to the point where art is so gatekept. Mm -hmm. And it it's it's so cool to see so many different options now that are more readily available because art shouldn't be gatekept. And like, granted, I totally understand why publishers have certain parameters and like they have so many submissions and I, I totally get all of that. But like, it's nice that there are choices because yeah, as artists, like we want to share our work at some point. And at what point do you say, you know what, like this method isn't working for me. I'd like to look at something else. 
I think the big like change factor over that last 10 years, if what you guys are both saying is that the barrier for entry has become lower and lower and lower because we have resources like Anchor for podcasts and Ingram Spark or Amazon Publishing. There used to not be an infrastructure to support creatives in this way. You could be traditional because it's like, how are you going to get your book to people? And so as new technologies have come out and new companies that are geared towards serving creatives have made things available to us that were never available to us before, mm-hmm. you know, whatever software it takes to edit this or format a book or all those things. It used to be that those programs didn't even exist for us. They were all behind that curtain of traditional publishing and those options weren't even available. Having all of the like, the even though I always complain about technology, <laughs> having all those things has made it like we couldn't do a podcast without like GarageBand and Anchor and, and all that. Yeah, there's definitely more options and avenues for creatives to get their work out there that, like you said, just didn't exist a couple of years ago even. And it's it's really exciting to see. But I also think it's a double-edged sword because all of these new avenues have impacted the existing things in significant ways. Like um, mm. with, you know, traditional publishing is all I know currently, but there's so many things that have popped up that have been great for creatives, but also negative. For example, social media, let's take something like TikTok that has vastly impacted traditional publishing. And I don't feel like they were ready for it. I still don't no. think they fully wrapped their brains around how much influence social media has and how they need to adapt the infrastructure of the publishing system to adapt to something like that. It's just, I kind of feel like um, with trad and with a lot of things, we're all kind of just running around like chickens with our heads cut off and trying to make things happen. And it's just, we, we haven't really dealt with the fallout of a lot of things, the pandemic, the rise of social media and influencers and all the things. It's just a lot going on. And there's so (laughs) many factors where it's like there's pros and cons to everything, but really you don't know if the pros outweigh the cons until so far down the line that it's, so many years in the future, which is like, oh, I think, we maybe made a mistake or, oh, we need, should have adapted sooner. But you can't know. And you just got to do the best you can with the information that you have in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I am trying to get better at that personally, not spending my time being worried about things that like I, I have no control over, nor do I have the uh, glass ball to see into the future. Like I just don't. And I have to make choices that are good for right now and, you know, do the best with the information that I've got, which I already said. Well, and it's repeating. it's not just writers where we're seeing that there's cracks in the system. I mean, we have the big strikes going on with the actors. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there was the big HarperCollins strike for from a while mm-hmm. back. I mean, I just think there's just a lot going on and creatives across the board are trying to figure out how best to set themselves up for success. And I yes. think the people in charge are trying to figure that out. I mean, it's just kind of you know, I'm from Alabama, so it's just a giant goat rodeo for everybody right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Everybody's chasing their tails and everybody's worried. And I think it's just, I think it's nice to have these kinds of conversations because we are all worried and there is a lot going on to the point where, you know, we feel anxious when we get on social media and things like that, because we're just like, what next? Yeah. And, um, but I think it's great to have these kinds of conversations because, you know, just like a friendly reminder that like, there are good things, there are options and choices. People are still reading. Yeah. Folks, like people are still reading, they're still watching shows, they're still listening to podcasts. In the midst of all of the chaos and all of the crap going on, people are still reading, which means that like we can still write and we can it may look different how we share what we're writing, but we can still write. And that's cool. I, I, like I said, I think it goes back to your goals. Like, and this is something that I have to keep hammering into my own head. Like 
if your goal is to be, you know, in every bookstore across the galaxy, then yeah, like trad may be the only way that you can do that because they're currently the the biggest distribution. But you're going to have to be willing to hold on for a while. Yeah. If your goal is to simply write a story that you love and share it with readers, if that's it, then there are ways that you can do that without having to wait in the trenches. Cause that is one of the big things with traditional publishing is that, um, it takes forever. I mean, forever, even before it was a mess, it took forever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and response times right now are out of control for anybody listening who doesn't know my story. I won't give you the whole thing because it's parts of it are sad, but like, um, (laughs) I, had an agent when I got published in 2018. And then, uh, it was in summer of 2021 that my agent, that agent and I parted ways. And then, um, it was that fall 2021 that I started looking for representation again. And it took me a year over a year in the trenches to find another agent. And like, I'm so fortunate that I did. I have, I have actually two agents now and they're both fantastic, wonderful, amazing humans, but it took a year. And in that time, like, um, I was getting ghosted on fulls, which prior to the pandemic was unheard of. Like you just never didn't hear back from somebody. I mean, it who requested a full, exactly wild. Exactly. Like, I mean, it used to be like, you could nudge after like what, three months. Now it's like, don't even bother nudging if like six to eight months haven't passed. Like, I mean, just response times are slow, so slow. Um, I'm on submission now. And honestly, I've gone from one trench to the other one, to another one, because yeah, it's the exactly. same thing. Um, just response times are incredibly slow. I mean, thankfully I am getting responses. I think that is largely in part, my agents have worked very hard to build positive relationships with the editors that they work with. And so that's fantastic. We are getting responses, but they are, um, very, very slow. They're trickling in. And it's so, I mean, it's just, it's really hard. Like, and I think a lot of writers who are interested in traditional publishing think if I can just get an agent, if I can just achieve that, then I'll get my book published. And that's just, that's just not true. It's not true. (laughs) It's just not true. It's just the first step in a long line Mm -hmm. of steps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Climbing up a mountain, really. It's just getting to the parking lot. It's like Mm -hmm. being in the parking lot of the hike you're about to take up a mountain. Yeah. That's funny. I was thinking of um, Nintendo 64 Super Mario, the never-ending stairs to get to Bowser. Yes. They just kept going and going Mm -hmm. and going and going until you obviously you have enough stars to unlock it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's what I think of (laughs) whenever people start talking about publishing or or. yeah, that whole process. So it, we're seeing a lot of people choose different paths now, which I think is interesting. And there's no one way anymore. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because you're seeing a lot of traditionally published authors now go a hybrid where they're choosing to publish some of their own books. Charlie Ann Holmberg and Caitlin McFarlane. Yeah, both of them. Well, Charlie for sure is doing the hybrid and then... Uh, well, then she Charlie's publishing Caitlin's books under her own thing which is cool yeah all these people are like coming up with new ways to like make their own paths what's going to be interesting is how it's like we all woke up one day and we were like okay like have you heard that tiktok sound that was going around viral a while back it was like fine i'll do it myself you know thanos (laughs) yeah (laughs) there you go you know it's kind of like we all woke up one day and we were like okay fine like if i can't do it this way, then I'll just do it myself. What's going to be really interesting is to see how that impacts things long-term because Mm -hmm. trad is used to being king. Well, Mm -hmm. now so many things are changing and we're seeing huge booms. Like the indie romance community, like, oh my gosh, my hat is off to those authors. They Mm -hmm. are just crushing it. Crushing it. Like I just, I am in awe of them. And I mean, and things even like with Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter, I mean, he like completely bypassed everybody <laughs> i mean uh-huh. he's brandon sanderson but like I mean, oh yeah, my gosh so like it's, yeah but uh, you're not wrong in the sense of like people are doing the, the they're going full thanos fine i'll do it myself mm-hmm. it will it, it it is very interesting and it will be very interesting to see down the line because that's kind of 
the mentality that I've gotten to the point of where, like, I mean, I don't have anything to publish yet, but honestly, I am just mentally fully in the place of like, "Mm, I'll probably query just to say that I did it, but I'm not really holding out much hope. And I, while I'm querying, I'm going to be researching Mm self-publishing because I need to know more and I will probably end up doing it myself because I don't think that I have the patience to wait as long as most people that I know that are in the trenches. I just don't, I I don't have that patience. (laughs) And that's fine. But yeah, it's it it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but I feel like uh, you could look at satellite TV streaming and YouTube. <laughs> like indie and self-publishing are the YouTube of television because like they've been doing studies lately and so many more people it used to be like satellite tv was it or like cable whatever network television was it and it took a long time for youtube to pop up but now you like most people watch more content on youtube than they do on tv Mm -hmm. and then of course you know the whole mess with all the streaming things like Mm -hmm. those are things that changed a whole industry and self-publishing and all these things that we're talking about are changing the whole industry of traditional publishing. Yes. So it's kind of like, it's all going to look different. Yeah. Trad won't go away. It'll, it'll always be there. It's just a matter of what it's going to look like down the road because of all of these other incredibly viable options. You know, for so long, self-publishing was looked at vanity as vanity publishing Mm -hmm. or as, you know, like, oh, well, you couldn't get published. Mm -hmm. And now it's not like that at all. Like, yeah, sure. There are still some people who look at it that way, but most of us don't look at it that way anymore. No. And you, if with Again, with the technology and all of these programs, if you're a self-published author and you can get your book to go viral on something like TikTok or whatever, like, I mean, it's insane how much you can do on your own. And we're even seeing, I'm noticing this trend and I'm watching this very closely. Um, I feel like publishers are kind of sitting back. And again, I'm not an expert. This is just totally my (laughs) speculation. So nobody come for me, but I feel like, some publishers, their tactic is to see which books are going viral and then they're signing those indie authors. We're, I'm seeing so many authors yeah. who went indie first who are self-publishing mm-hmm. and then getting deals because they've done the work. They went viral. They have mm-hmm. all of the audience built in, the virality so of it. And the publishers don't have to exactly, do anything anymore. Exactly. They just get a cut of the money. Mm-hmm. Because it, which, it's I mean, distribution, but also like that's disturbing. <laughs> well, and the 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 benefit to that author is, you know, is the distribution. That's the key piece. And so that's like the one thing that is a lot harder as an indie to get. Like if you can get your built-in audience, you have a viral book or a series or whatever, you've got the built-in audience, you've got that. And then you have a publisher to pair with you to get that distribution, to get even more readers, then, then you're set. So it's just... Interesting. It is. Especially when you're going self-publishing, one of the biggest distributors is Ingram Spark. Mm-hmm. And people have so many issues with them. Yeah. Their company and their customer service. If a distributor came along to compete with Ingram Spark at that level and had good customer service right now, oh, they gosh. would destroy. They yeah. would. And they would make so much money because now like Ingram Spark just made some changes about like requiring authors to sell their books lower at a lower price when they go on sale. There's like a, a cap, like a minimum. Yeah, they're also taking a higher percentage. There's a lot of taking there's a, a higher, lot there's a lot going of into that. Just, so I'm like, I know, don't know um, how deep. I know uh, Bethany. Uh, I forget how you can't pronounce. Uh, yeah, she has a whole YouTube video about like some of the changes that just came out recently. And um, she, she, I think she explains it better than I ever could. But um, so if you wanted to dig into that, there's there's information out there for you that it's not us. <laughs> but um, all that to say, I agree. If somebody would come in now and capitalize on how well indies are doing and treat indies well and like – allow them to have full control over what their caps are and all of that, I think that they would make so much more money because 
people would just flock to them mm-hmm. because there's more and more indies all of the time and they they do they want the luxury to do it themselves well and there's i think and this is this is something that i talked to my critique partner and my best friend about quite a bit cuz we both who no <laughs> <laughs> you all know her megan um oh, we both kind of have had the same mindset about traditional publishing like stars in the eyes like just traditional publishing was the standard that we were aiming for. We weren't ever going to go any other way. But unfortunately, what we're seeing is, you know, obviously there's pros and cons with with every avenue that you take. But what is starting to happen is the benefits of traditional publishing, the things that you would be willing to wait in the trenches for, for literal years, you know, those things are becoming less and less and less. And it's sometimes like I find myself saying, why am I doing this? Like, let's say, you know, that lightning strikes in a bottle and I get a book deal today. What is it that they can offer me? Because we're seeing advances are just, you know, dwindling. Like if you get an advance, you're lucky and it's nowhere near what it used to be. Um, distribution even, which is the big thing with trad, right? We're seeing that disappear. Nowadays, Barnes and Noble will not even stock middle grade debuts, which totally kills you know, kills the middle grade authors and the kid lit authors. Um, I mean, we're just seeing all of which these. I didn't things. even know that. Yeah. And that is insane to me yeah. because I am constantly in bookstores trying to keep my middle grader in books. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I will buy all of the books. Yeah. I will buy all of the middle grade books. I currently have like probably half of the ones in existence right now in the other room, <laughs> like, because I can't keep him in books, which is wonderful. And it's an amazing problem to have. Yeah. But which, that's, yeah. it's so silly to me because it's like they're, at that age, most kids are still interested in reading and they have to read for school. So And like, they're going into the perfect, bookstores and libraries. They're not online that's shopping. That's the perfect <laughs> – yeah. no, they're not. That's the perfect – thing for them to stock. So the fact that they don't is just stupid to me. That's asinine. Yeah. You're making so many great points, Kim. I read a book and love it. Some other platform, I want to have a paper copy, right? Mm-hmm. I love the book, but this is the cheapest traditionally published print book I have ever received. The cover is cheap. The edges are cheap. All of that where I'm like, this is traditionally published. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you get a book that is traditionally published where the cover doesn't quite line up with the pages and things like that, you're like – Well, and I saw – it's not just my copy too. It's like the quality of whatever printer they got. So like you were saying, Kim, Mm. what traditional publishing is offering people is going down and down. So you have to keep doing cost-benefit analysis. Mm -hmm. Is the time and energy or whatever I'm putting into this really going to get me the return that's worth it? Well, and we also know that I mean, unfortunately, the reality of traditional publishing too is like they decide ahead of time who the three, four, five authors are that they're going to promote that season. And it used to be if you were a mid-list author, there were still benefits to that. You could still get decent distribution, get a decent advance, have some marketing on your side. Now, as a mid-list traditionally, yeah, they're going to go on the big uh ones because those are their money makers. Those are the ones that are making the New York Times, which is just a hoax. That's a whole other podcast. Don't get me going on Mm -hmm. that. Um, (laughs) You know, so if you're a mid-list author, like what are, what are, what are you getting? And like, it's, it's a conundrum because I know for someone like myself, I have several kid lit books. I've got a middle grade that is on submission. I have a YA romance that we're getting ready to send on submission. You know, kid lit, in my opinion, doesn't do as well on the indie scene as say adult does. Mm -hmm. And so for, for kid lit authors like myself, there really aren't as many options because again, kids are not going online. They don't have their own Kindle unlimited subscription. You know, they're going to libraries and bookstores. So yeah, I don't imagine the book talk scenes big for middle grade. Right. You know, (laughs) but I will say, I wish that there were more better as a mom who actually does pay a Kindle Unlimited subscription for my kid on my kid, the kids Kindle Unlimited. I pay for that because I cannot afford 
to buy him as many books as he reads. True. I will literally yeah. buy him a chapter book and then we, we will come home and he will have read the entire thing in the car on the way home. Same, same. I cannot afford <laughs> to keep him in books, but there are not enough books on Kindle Unlimited for his age group that are good books. Yeah. Like really good. I wish there were more. So I mean, I don't know, maybe just put that out into the universe. Maybe we do. Maybe we maybe we start putting kids book be make start an indie middle grade trend. I would love that. <laughs> I I I would pay for that. Mm -hmm. in a heartbeat and my kid will read the same book 12 times so like mm -hmm. he in because he can't get new ones yeah it just feels like you know I always think of the guy from Mary Poppins when he's like winds in the east miss coming in you know like <laughs> like changes in the air which is you know I think good you know reminiscent of like what you're talking about with fall like there's definitely going to be a big shift coming. I don't know there what it's going. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's I'm, I'm hoping it benefits authors, but it may not. Um, and I just think at this point, creatives need to be open and flexible and being willing to adapt. And yeah. that has been something I feel like over the last probably three years or so that I've really been working out within myself because I was a tratter bust girl for the longest time. And as someone who is still actively pursuing trad and I am, I have a book on sub. I have another one that's about to go on sub. I am also not sitting here with my eggs only in the trad basket. I am doing other things, looking for other options, planning what my next move is going to be, because unfortunately I just don't have a lot of faith that trad as I know it is going to exist in its current form for much longer. Or, you know, I just don't have a lot of faith yeah. in the system as I did a million years ago. <laughs> right. And that's what I, I've always thought. I want to go trad. I want to go trad. And then I was thinking, my darling Sabrina, <laughs> <laughs> your life is a dream and now it is over. Now it is over. <laughs> and that's not to say that I don't want anybody listening to be like, you know, I don't want anybody to feel like, wow, like, you're defeated yeah like, like no, I'm still I'm still querying I'm right? like I'm still like, throwing it out there yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and like I still fully believe that I will query like I I don't I don't think that I won't but I also feel like at the same time that I know that I will query I know that I will mm -hmm. be researching self-publishing options at the same time because I don't know what it's going to look like. And I also don't know that when it arrives, they won't put that contract in front of me and I'll be like, mm, that doesn't look as good as what I could do with definitely some extra work on my end because that's what self-publishing is, folks. It is more work on your end. And a commitment but, of money and, and time. A, and a commitment of money and time. But like when they put that contract in front of me, if will it be good enough mm -hmm. to offset what I could get for myself yeah otherwise cost benefit analysis and yeah, yeah and so like just like you said being willing to be flexible I think is huge I think that's a, that's a that's a life skill <laughs> yes <laughs> in general but we're 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 talking writing specific right now and <laughs> in, in the vein of like being flexible I feel like I've also been trying to be more flexible as a reader up till this point we've mostly been talking about like books you can get your hands on but Online magazines, short fiction, and like substacks, I've been mm -hmm. hitting up those more. That's a new avenue that's still kind of more in the background of what we're talking about, but I think that it's going to just be growing because it's like, if I don't have to have something printed and hand it to somebody, but I can write something and they're willing to pay $3 or whatever and to read my story, that that counts too. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I think I'm I, I'm glad you brought that up again because it did in the back of my mind I wanted to discuss a little bit about the like paying for Substack or whatever. Cause I don't know, Kim, if you've checked out Substack at all. I follow a couple of authors who use it for their newsletters, but I haven't looked into it for myself. Okay. So like I started one and I keep meaning to like sit down and actually like it, it's it's in the goals for this month <laughs> somewhere. It's on the docket. Right on the list. It's on the docket for me to actually start putting out a newsletter. 
But I also, when I set it up, I was like, this would be an awesome place for me to share short fiction. And then somebody <clears throat> told me that I should probably be querying those things, Jamie. Um, and <laughs> she's not wrong. Um, so I was like, well, pump the brakes. But I would like to share some things, like maybe the things that don't end up getting published, I share them there. And um, I'm curious, like, if you were to sign up for someone's Substack, like, what do you think is like, would you pay for something like that to have like an ongoing series of reading short fiction for people? Because I'm curious how many people, at what point does $3 here and $3 here and $3 there, like that stacks up? I'm just curious. It's it's a weird thing because like on, on one side, like as a creative, like I'm always like, I want to support other creatives. But at the same time, I got three kids and times they are hard and everything is expensive in this economy. Yeah. Right. So again, and for anybody who's made this drinking game, I'm about to talk about goals again. Here you go. <laughs> Drink up, baby. Um, again, I think it comes down to your goals. If your goals, your goal is to make some sort of profit off of your work, you know, whatever. But if your goal is to grow an audience is charging for your content the best way to do that initially? Right. Like if you have, yeah, absolutely. if you have a built-in audience, like if you have people who follow you and support you and you come to them and say, hey, I'm thinking of taking on this endeavor. I'm thinking of charging. Would you be willing? Do you feel like this would benefit you? Is this worth your money? Then I feel like that's an easier way to go at it. But if you're just starting, is that the way to, it, again, it goes, what is your goal? Because <laughs> I, I have to jump in too, and I'm going to do my best not to go on a capitalist rant. I was, um, I honestly <laughs> feel like we're about to say the same thing. So please, I, I've gathered my thoughts. Do it. Okay. There's a few things I need to hit on. One is I feel like Substack is still in its infancy and it needs, they need a one-time payment option. Some people are finding ways around this. Mm -hmm. So if I write a story and I'm like, you know, this story, I would like people to pay a dollar or whatever to read. There should be an option that they to just pay that just Flat one fee. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rather than a monthly subscription. Because I don't think I have a sub stack. You, I haven't set it up yet, but I'm like, if people want to donate, that's fine. And I'm not disparaging anybody no, who uses definitely not. their sub stack that way. Creatives deserve to, be, to paid. be paid. Yes. Yes. The subscription economy that is the world where we used to just, you know, you used to just buy word processor and yeah. then you'd have it. Just the forever. CD. Yes. You just buy a CD and install it on your CD ROM. And it cost a fortune, mm -hmm. but you just, you had and you it. Had you it. owned it. Yes. It was you yours. You paid it once and that. So the subscription economy where everybody wants to get money from you constantly. Yes. Is mm -hmm. a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> so I get, but it I is. do, I, I have. I can't stand the pay to play where mm -hmm. of everything right yeah. now. Yeah. And I have bought onto people's Patreons for mm -hmm. podcasts or different things like that. So it's like, if it, they are bringing you content that you feel like is valuable to you and worth your money and you want to support people monetarily, yeah. absolutely do that. But I yeah. do feel like um, personally, I would want to have a way where it's like, you don't have to pay me every time. You can just pay me for this one thing. Yeah, same. Well, and you also have to take into, I don't know, I've, I've never charged for content or anything like that. Like, I think that's the teacher in me. This is totally just a personal thing. Like if I'm putting anything out there with the exception of like my books or stuff, like it's going to be free. But I think too, like a good balance is, is kind of what Jamie was saying. Like, here's this that's behind a paywall, but here's also this other content that you can read for free because we do have mm -hmm. to be aware of the fact that, you know, some people like the luxury of even having an extra dollar to buy a short story, like that's a yes. lot for a lot of people. And yeah. so like striking a balance, I think is a good way to go about it because we want to make it accessible for all readers, you know? Absolutely. It's just really cool that we can even think about these things because as we've said before, even just a couple of years ago, it didn't feel like we had these options. I'm currently operating yeah. on what I am lovingly refer to, lovingly referring to as the spaghetti method. Um, and that. how, because I have been one of the things that I can't stand as a writer is feeling like I'm standing still. Like I always want to be doing something. I'm a go-getter. You're a shark. 
I am, I am a go-getter. Like I am like, while this thing is percolating or whatever, like, let me be taking the next step to further my career, whatever that's going to look like, whether that's working on marketing, drafting a new book in the query trenches, whatever that's going to look like. And, you know, I've been doing the trad thing for so long now, and I have just felt very stuck. And for, you know, a couple of years, I was like, I don't even feel like an author. I mean, my debut came out in 2018. Like you guys, January is going to be six years since that book came out. Um, you know, five years for the sequel. And what the feeling that I am chasing now is I want to feel like an author again. And what does that, yeah. what does that mean to me? Does that mean getting a traditional book deal? Does that mean having readers sending me emails? Like, what does that look like? Like I've really spent time exploring that. And so for me, I'm like, let me try something different. I've been on this one road for a really long time and I'm not ready to leave this road, but let's look at other things. So um, I applied last year, I applied to an anthology. I got a short story in an anthology this year. It's on my bookshelf. Nice. You guys it's can't my, see it. It's on my <laughs> shelf too. You um, guys can't see it either. <laughs> and I can't, yeah, I can't tell y'all how much fun I had writing this one short story for this anthology. I didn't even know if it was going to get accepted, but the hope that it gave me that it could be was so freeing. <laughs> like, yeah. And I mean, another thing I recently, this was recently announced, I got accepted into one of the big book boxes does like an advent calendar box. And I got a short story accepted into that. And, you know, Yay. I, and that's, you know, that's something that as an author, I'm like, one of my goals is to be in a book box. Well, I accomplished that. Did I accomplish that the way that I thought I was going to accomplish it? Exactly. No, but <laughs> I but took like my spaghetti to be flexible. Yeah, yeah. It's about like being willing to throw spaghetti at the wall, like all these different walls, all these different avenues, all these different opportunities and just see what sticks. If, if trad sticks, yay. If indie sticks, yay. If, if Substack is your thing and you you're doing well, like, yay, like don't be afraid to throw spaghetti at the wall. Like yeah. don't get stuck in one spot. Well, and I'm glad that you brought up like your anthology stuff because short fiction is actually growing in popularity yes. as well right now, which is awesome because some of the my favorite things I have ever read are short fiction. And like, and it's definitely, I will hopefully be published short fiction wise before I will be long fiction because I'm actually going to start submitting stuff really soon. <laughs> and I say that in recording and I'm going to get in trouble if I don't. Um, it's in the, it's out there now. <laughs> you have to but, follow through. <laughs> but you know, like, don't be a, f like, I didn't think that I could write short fiction in a way where I felt like I could submit it because it was good enough to be submitted because I love epic fantasy and I'm, you know, I want a doorstopper. And like, it doesn't mean that I don't want to write doorstoppers anymore. It's just that I, we are capable of different things. We grow, we change, and there's more than one way. There, you can exactly. be more than one thing. Yes, 100%. Well, and in this challenging climate of publishing and whatever, like one thing that we – the writers have always been able to control is our craft. And while we kind of figure out these publishing growing pains, doing things that help you grow as a writer, like that's something that's within our control and writing, like if you're used to writing novels and you try writing a short story for the first time, it's challenging. Like, it's not yeah. like, you know, writing you're short story. crush it the first time. No. <laughs> and it's not like, oh, it's only 3000 words. This is going to be a cakewalk because you have to magically convey an entire story, an entire arc, an entire whatever in 3000 words. That is challenging. Um, and so I just, and for me, like, I'm going to bring it back to my fanfic days. Like, one of the things that I loved about short fiction when I was like doing fanfic a million years ago was just like how much seeing how much emotion you could pack in a short piece of short fiction. Like the challenge of that is delightful. Like if, if I can make somebody cry in 500 to a thousand words, like that feels amazing. You know, it, it's a, so much a power. Skill. Right? <laughs> it, is, it is, it is a ton of power because if you think about how challenging it is to get someone invested that quickly and that intensely that you can evoke an actual emotion out of them. Like, I mean, that's why we do what we do, friends. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I, that's one thing when you guys mentioned the topic, like that's one thing I was like, oh, I just want anybody listening to this to just know that there isn't, you know, we 
we all are like, oh yeah, there's multiple paths to public publication, but guys, there really are options. You don't have to feel stuck. If you're hitting walls in whatever path you've been on, like try a different door, man. Open the window. Like, Pivot. Try yep. something. Crawl out the window. I like it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. And you've like hit all the points where I'm like, I think that Kim would be a good idea to talk about this with because yep. it's like, just try new things. Put mm-hmm. yourself out there. There's so many different paths now. Yeah. You just got to be willing to like change it up. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I'll give Kim the first option. Do you have any like recommendations or anything that you want to do? And that's like anything. Anything. Recommendations. What have I been reading? Honestly, I have been really bad lately. I have been reading. I've returned to my fan fiction roots. I'm not going to lie. So that has been- No shame in that. That is actually what started my book binding obsession as well. So um, I've been reading a lot of a lot of fan fiction lately. And I just want to stop real quick. This is not really a recommendation. This is more a shout out, but we're going to count it. I just want to give a huge shout out to fan fiction writers. I know there's a lot of like mixed thoughts on fan fiction, but I have read some of the most incredible pieces of work lately. And I know that, you know, you're borrowing another author's characters and world and like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just think fan fiction writers are incredible. And what I love about them is they write with with reckless abandon. I think it's because they know there's, it's not about publishing. It's not about making yes. money. They're looking to just entertain readers and they do a yeah. darn good job of that. Yeah, and they do. <laughs> they're doing it because they're passionate about yeah. it. And that's what comes through. Yeah. So shout out to the fanfic writers. I love you all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they might use somebody else's characters or world but they're not charging you for it. No. Well, and it still takes skill. Yeah. <laughs> you see, cause, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people who disparage fanfic, like you forget, it still takes skill to tell a story. Yeah. Even if you can't, you didn't come up with the characters, like you still had to come up with a story that engage, engages readers. And that is very hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we slave away at it hours and hours and hours and bang our heads against the wall. Um, yeah. So, I mean, especially what you just read in AO3 mostly. Yeah. Um, mostly on AO3. And I do have like, I have a copy, like I actually have one that's bound again. This is what started my book binding obsession. Um, because a lot of kind of I, well, I'm looking for these videos now, but I'm seeing a lot of videos where people are taking the, um, the work off of AO3, they're slapping it in like Word or pages and typesetting it and then printing it and binding it. So they have physical copies, which I think is just so cool. Um, That's imp- a fun. Yeah. Important to know. That's really fun. To anybody who's listening, it is absolutely illegal to sell like fan fiction. Don't do that. That's bad. But yeah, if you are printing and binding a work of fiction for yourself, for, yourself, <laughs> for pure enjoyment, <laughs> that is totally fine. Um, I want to learn more about book binding now, Kim. <laughs> oh my gosh. I could talk for hours. I've learned so okay, much we'll have to schedule another <laughs> yeah. chat non-recorded yes yes let's wrap, will... let's wrap this up yes <laughs> um yeah thanks for your wisdom and insight kim as always we are thrilled when you agree to join us because we know it's going to be a really good talk uh-huh. well i mean i don't know about wisdom more of just I'm I'm just in the thick of it with with all y'all like and I'm She's gone always through it, and I'm still going through it. I, you know, somebody's like, you know, how's your? I don't even know where I'm at in my journey. I'll be honest, but I'm showing up every day and I'm flinging spaghetti at every wall that is presented to me, and I'm happy to share my experiences and what I've learned and the mistakes I've made and all the things. And yeah, I think that's the thing that makes you so qualified to speak on it because <laughs> um, I can't remember the exact quote, but um, I know that Brene Brown talks about it and it's I think a quote from somebody I don't know but talking about being in the ring like the people who aren't in the ring don't get to talk about being in the ring yeah like if you're in it you're in the thick of it you get to talk about it don't listen to the people who aren't out there who aren't in there with you doing it if they're not in the arena they don't get to talk about it yeah yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And I I know I'm an English teacher by trade and it is even from the very beginning it has been my heartfelt desire to just share my journey with people and to try to help encourage people um and that's kind of what I'm trying to do and if I manage to get a book out at you know between now and then, you know <laughs> next 10 years that'd be great too. 
You know, I'm always like, as long as it happens before I die. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I keep saying before I'm 40, but that is like fast approaching. So I might need to move the bar a little bit. I have stopped saying, giving myself goals by a certain age. I'm just like, this is this month's goal. And that's what I'm doing. And if it happens to get me something bigger down the road, awesome. I'll be like, hey, I did this by the time I was 40, but I didn't say I was going to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely need to take that off the table. <laughs> <laughs> you can find Kim on – you're mostly just on Instagram now. Yeah, Instagram and TikTok are kind of my main platforms. Um, so I'm at Kim Writes Books on Instagram and TikTok. You can also visit me on my website if you're interested in learning more about my novels. It's just www.kimchance.com. And then for those of you who are interested in book binding, I just started a brand new account on TikTok, which is at Fox and Flower Binding. You can go check that out too. And we can all learn Ooh. about book binding together. Great. I'm now excited. I have to get TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I have TikTok only to watch the videos. I don't make any videos. I ugh, that makes me very nervous. I'm just here to creep. But one day maybe I'll <laughs> learn how. To, maybe one day I'll learn how to do a reel or a TikTok or whatever. I'll teach but you. In the meantime, I just watch. Oh, please do. I need help. <laughs> I got you. Okay. I also I have a theater background, so it scratches that itch for me. I love that. I love Checks that. All the yeah, boxes. teach me your ways, Kim. I got you good all right well um you can find me on instagram at carly writes things and on my website at kcashwriter.com and substack is linked through my website we'll just put that there there's nothing on there yet, <laughs> yet. But, i mean hey by the time this releases there might be who knows i'm trying to do goals and crush things <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and you can find me on Instagram at sci-fi oh my or on my website sci-fi oh my dot com or jamieredact.com. I also have recently started a sub stack, which I'm actually posting mildly consistent on. I've enjoyed your posts. You can find that in my links in Instagram or through my website. You can find the Act Break podcast on Instagram or Spotify or Apple Podcast or other podcasty things at the Act Break Podcast. Woo if that doesn't bring it up, I we can't help you. Um, <laughs> thanks for being here, Kim. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will be back next month with our season finale. Bye, internet friends. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.